Hey, good people, this is your N.I. Dom, back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, I have a list in front of me of nine. There are nine items on my list. Hold on, let me double check. Yep. There are nine items on the list. And that is, I'm going to read those to you as my starting point. I believe that they are all coming from the same SE experience. Um, I moved into a new job, a new role, same organization, but a new role in that organization, a significantly different role in that organization. And uh, I would imagine that most of these points on my list are coming from observing myself in a new role but these points on the list are not about the job and um, at least that is not my intention to talk about that job as a matter of fact that's one of the reasons why you haven't heard from me is because I'm so bombarded with data on this new job right trying to understand it trying to make sure I do a good job trying to figure out what a good job actually means trying to figure out who my stakeholders are um that I can't find space to talk about anything else. And because I don't want to give that to you, I don't want to bore you with shop talk, if you will, then I haven't felt inclined to hit the record button. Um, so the things on my list are not about the job, but they are coming from the job. I believe coming from my shift into a new role. All right, we'll see though. You know, where I start isn't always where I finish. So I don't know where we're going to go, but let me start off by reading the nine things that are on the list, okay? Number one, the secret society of introverted intuition. I also have next to to that the word powerhouse, and then I crossed it out, and then I circled it, so I'm not really sure if I want to if the secret society is about it being a powerhouse or if it being a powerhouse is a second condition of introverted intuition that's on my mind, I'm not sure. But that's number one on the list. Number two, this is something I've talked about before. The Enneagram and and Myers-Briggs. The Enneagram being dynamic and the Myers-Briggs being static. And if you are a lover or a hater of either of those two systems, you may take issue with how I just named it. Um, I don't over, I don't overwhelmingly feel that way about the Enneagram and the MBTI, but for this, for my notes, there's something, there's something inside of me that's bringing me back to looking at the Enneagram as dynamic and Myers-Briggs as fixed. That's number two. Number three, Social self-preservation and sexual. Okay, let me say that again. Social self-preservation and the sexual instincts. So that's me back in the Enneagram. You see that? Those are the three instincts based on the Enneagram model. So I have some some things that are on my mind as relating to those three instincts. Um, again, I'm sure that's becoming visible in this new role that I'm in. 
um, or the, that are becoming visible. Anywho, I, ca- I catch my, uh, I catch myself being ungrammatical when I go back and I listen to these reflections. I don't always catch it in real time. I do it, I do catch it in my writing, which is why writing is my preferred way of communicating, which is why podcast number one, I, I write out my script. But we're on edit and we're unscripted, so oftentimes I'll be ungrammatical and I don't know that until I go back and listen to it. But you guys are, you know, gracious, so thank you. So anyway, that was a little blurb, wasn't it? Number four, the body. I'm going through something that I've been, I historically do once a year. And each time I do it, I learn something about me. And this time around, my learning is relating to the body. So that's number four. You don't know what that means, so we'll see if I get to there. But that's number four. Number five. I initially wrote down, my handwriting is back to being horrible. Something that I've always been insecure about. And then I've gotten okay, and I felt like I learned to strengthen my handwriting but it's back to being horrible like illegible and I believe it I'm not I believe I'm 99.9% certain that it has something to do with introverted intuition or the NISE axis so with that next to it I have NI overwhelm so I don't know if number five is about the handwriting or if it's about what I'm going to call what I want to poke as NI overwhelm, right? So that's interesting. Number six, privacy, the private me, and the new real me. That's loaded, y'all. Now I'll say it again. Privacy, comma, the private me, comma, the new real me. And I said comma just so you know that those are, so you can hear the list. It's a list for number six. Number seven, my relationship to the project looks different. I partly just explain that in terms of what's occupying my brain space. But there's some other things that are um, impacting how my relationship to this Bureau and I Down project is looking different over the last week, um, the last few days to be exact. So I think it has something to do with... Um, my schedule, you know, the scheduling of the project, but also this item, number six, the, the new real me. Uh, so that's number seven. Um, some of these might blend together, so we'll see. Number eight, my fight for play. And a new dance with the softer side of me. And I don't have that written down, so I may not say it that way if I come back to it. What I have on paper is uh, the fight for my play and the fight for my softer side. And I don't know if the softer side is getting a fight from me. I think it's more of a dance than a fight, but I don't know. So that's number eight. Number nine is something new, y'all. It's something it's not, I don't think it's new in terms of me, but it's a new discovery. Like, it's got my attention. So, yes, it's got, 
it's new awareness. And when I'm irritated, and I don't, I don't experience irritation often. And if I, and if I'm irritated, let me put it this way: I'm probably irritated more than I'm aware. But I don't have awareness. I don't. I experience. I am aware of anger more than I am aware of irri- irritating. I don't know if it's anger either, because irritation is a, is a is a symptom of anger. Um, I don't know. We'll have to unpack that later. But anyway, I want to I want to unpack that. I've 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 now noticed myself being I've caught myself being irritated twice in the past two weeks in a way that made the where I apologize for it. And I'm not 100% sure I should apologize for it. So I need to think about it. So that's number nine. Let me read these things again right quick. Number one, um, the secret society or the powerhouse of introvert intuition. Number two, the Enneagram dynamic. Uh, Enneagram is dynamic, MBI, MBTI is static. The Enneagram's instinct, social, self-preservation, and sexual. Uh, some discoveries there. The body, some discoveries about the body. Uh, that's number four as relating to this annual practice, this annual practice that I've engaged in over the past almost 10 years. Number five, my handwriting. Uh, might be an access point to talk about introverted intuition overwhelm and I overwhelm number six privacy the private me and the new real me number seven my relationship to this project is looking different I I didn't say this but why so what and what's next number eight a fight for my play and a fight or dance for my softer side or for my soft side rather and then number nine irritation Irritability. An irritant. We'll see. I don't know where I'm going to start. <laughs> Let me see. I'm, I'm really curious. I really am interested in all of them. But I'm really, I would love to talk about number nine. Number eight. Number five. Number four. Number one, I want to talk about all of them, y'all. I don't know which one I want to talk about. <sighs> Let me do a little bit of housekeeping. Let me do a little bit of housekeeping, and then I'll do my disclaimers. Um, nope, I'm not going to even do housekeeping. Nope, no, 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 no. Let's go right into the disclaimers. If you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I've processed my inner my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background from intergenerational trauma. And I play with this identity of being a critical race feminist. That's That's an identity I play with. It's fun. The other identities, that's not play. But being a critical race feminist is a it's a playful identity. It's an identity. It's real, but it feels different from the other identities. So I've been trying to think about pushing that piece that I'd give you guys about 
being a critical race feminist, because I usually treat that separate. I'll go, I identify as an INTJ8, as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background, from intergenerational trauma, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'll go, and I also identify as a critical race feminist, and I'm wondering, can I push it all together? But as I just attempted to push it together, it doesn't feel right, because being a critical race feminist is not the same as me saying, I'm a black woman, I'm an INTJ8, I'm from lower lower socioeconomic economic background. You get what I'm saying? So something feels different about saying I'm a critical race feminist and I need to spend some time poking at it. So that's interesting. Um, this project is unedited. It is unscripted. Um, and if you want to know more about any, uh, any of that, I haven't updated my website in a while. So I don't have anything on my website about the trauma or the critical race feminism, I don't think. But the other pieces, you can find more about me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com or scroll through my over 250 episodes now <laughs> and look at the titles or look at the descriptions because it's there. All right, I'm starting, I'm definitely on repeat. There are some themes that come up that I'm on repeat. I don't think I've hit saturation with this project, but I'm definitely on repeat for some critical themes and I'm curious about that. It'll be interesting to see what that looks like after season five and six because I think I want to commit to two more seasons and then after that um, I'd like to try to commit to two more seasons but with my relationship to this project shifting I don't know if it's a permanent shift it definitely has question marks but anyway there are question marks but that's anyway 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 If you want to know more about this project or me, go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. All right? All right. We are almost, this is good. I did this. I did my setup. I did my disclaimers all within 15 minutes. So far, so good. So far, so good. Um, I just don't know where I want to start, y'all. Dang it. Let me put, I'm going to push the pause button. I think I want to start at number nine. I think I want to start at number nine. Because I think that's where I have the greatest intrigue. And so I, there's a chance that I'm starting here with the the issue of irritation. And um, I might, it, this one might take me the whole ride. But um, because I think this is the one I'm most curious about. I think the other things on the list would be me reporting out to you. I, I'm also curious about number six too. Privacy, the private me and the real me. All right, I would like to try to cover those two. I would love to cover all of them, but I don't think I'm going to do that. But you know what? This is what I'll do. I will do what I can in this, and then I'll come back and, and do and uh, do another recording. How about that? Okay, so let's start with the irritated, the, number nine. I'm going to talk a little bit about the job, just a little bit, <laughs> just so you know. Um, so I, I go back. Um, there's an episode that... Um, I recorded on Thursday. I had, I didn't release it yet, so I'm I, I'm, I'm going to experiment with releasing in bulk. I'm going to experiment with that. I don't know how long I'm going to. I don't want to commit to it, but I want to experiment experiment with what does that look like to record and then release in bulk. So I did a recording last Thursday about the new job, and uh, and I'm I needed to sit on it because I'm not. <sighs> The job is just very political. 
it's just political and it is really going to have an impact on me in this project. And um, I have to really figure out, again, what I'm going to fight for and what I'm going to dance with. That's number eight. It's going to be interesting to see how these other numbers on my list pop up. Um, but in the meantime, so anyway, I have a new job. Go check out that episode to learn more about. I don't really describe the job, but I do describe the impact, how I, how the new, what, how did the new job surface? Cause it was totally, un, totally unexpected. And it's, it's billed as temporary. It's billed as a temporary position. So that's another thing. <laughs> because I don't see myself going back to the other job. And that's, I don't, I don't have any control over that. I don't have any control over what, I mean, let me, I do have control, right? I can quit. <laughs> and that's what I have to start preparing myself for. So I don't have control inside of that organization. What is going to happen to me after this temporary, what will happen to me after this temporary assignment expires? There's a chance I'm going to go back to the old position. There's a chance that I'm going to go back to a modified version of the old position. And then there's a chance that I'm going to go into a completely new position. And then there's always the possibility that I can resign and go in and, and leave the organization to go into a position that I, I feel more suited for. And I think that's the point that I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to, that's the point I want to illustrate. I want to highlight. The point is, I can't spiritually, this is me talking spiritually. I've had some, I've had some spiritual awakenings in the last few days. And my spiritual awakening says I cannot go back to that iterate, the job I had before in that iteration. I cannot. It's been quite revealing. This new job has been quite revealing for me it's been it's been an interesting last i today is sunday i walked into that new role on wednesday i found out i was asked to go into that new role on sunday although it was pitched to me i didn't i got an email for it on saturday i didn't know that it i didn't know i didn't see it And uh, we begin talking about the new role as an in, as a as a as a temporary assignment. But I didn't know. I thought it was going to start on Monday, to, but I found out Tuesday night, not Tuesday in the morning. I found out Tuesday night at about six or seven o'clock that it was starting the next day. <laughs> it's. It's been intense, y'all. It's been a roller coaster. Somebody texted me and said, are you feeling like a whirlwind? I'm like, yeah, that's a good way of explaining it. And a lot of people are like, how are you handling that? And I think that's something I would love to talk about with you all. Like, I've, I begin, I knew, I suspected that a new role was coming. And I didn't even have a long time to think about that, right? So when Sunday was pitched, 
I told the CEO I needed to think about it. On Monday, I sent an email and said, I'll do it, but I have some questions. Those questions never were answered. <laughs> we never talked about it, and I didn't find out until Tuesday night. And then I, that, it was, that I started on Wednesday. So it's pretty fast, and but not overwhelming. Somebody else would have been overwhelmed by it, and I would love to talk about why that part isn't overwhelming for me. And I would love to talk about that through the lens of being an INTJ and through the lens of being a type 8. Because I believe both of those, both of those personality traits, both, both of those um, components, rather, of my personality give me the capacity to do, to, do, to do what I did. To give me the capacity to do what I did. I don't know if an INTJ 8 alone would have been able to do that. And I definitely don't believe a type 8 alone would have been able to walk into that role on Wednesday the way I did. So, I want to talk about that, but I don't want to talk about that right now. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, I do want to talk more about that because it's, I have a, I'm intrigued by that. I'm intrigued by how I walked through the doors on Wednesday. I'm intrigued. But we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, I want to talk about this thing about being irritated. So um, I have a team. It is the it is officially the largest team I've ever had. A staff. It's the largest staff I've ever had. So there is that. There's that. Like so, I'm really excited about the growth part. Um. In some ways, it's the largest team I've ever had. But now, somebody sent me a text yesterday and said, the work that you were doing from August to January really has prepped you for this. And I do believe that significantly. Because remember, remember I told you guys I had been serving five sites. There are five. There's a large organization. There's multiple sites. My job from, from August to January plus was to do some leadership in five, five different sites. So those, I was working with a lot of people, but they weren't, I wasn't their supervisor. That's the only difference. So I am the supervisor of these people, of this team. But it's not, I, in the fact that I have been serving and working with five sites, and now I'm working with one site. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? I had more people that I was interacting with and impacting before. So I'm glad I I'm glad I rethought that. This that's, that's interesting. The difference between influencing and leading influencing, leading and supervising. That's interesting. Anyway, okay, we'll come back to that. So anyway, so I have a site uh, I'm the supervisor now of this larger large team. Large team is a large team. And even with some of my friends who are in particular roles, like I talked to one of my friends who was in a similar role, the size of my site doubled hers. But <laughs> I have another friend, and the size of her site doubles mine. And I guess that's a thing. And again, this is just a temporary assignment, so I don't want to over-identify with it. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't. Because there's another position I have my eye on my, in the organization that I want. Um, you get what I'm saying? So it's, it's, just, it's just, I don't know what's going to happen. 
I really don't know what's going to happen. When I took this, when I joined this organization in August, I did go back and listen to the reflection I did. I think I said something about let the games begin. I, I, I just felt like there was just the horizon, like there was the frontier was just endless. Like we don't know what, there's a lot that's possible. And I still feel that way. So I, I don't, I don't think I'm locked into anything right now. Other than the only thing I'm going to lock myself into is I'm not going back to the iteration of that position that I was in from August to January. I will not embody that position the way I was embodying it. I'm not going to do that. I will resign before I do that. So I have to start preparing myself to do, you know, I have to start having some contingency plans. Um, so that I don't, I'm not forced to stay in that space because I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. We'll have to talk about that on another time. I'm trying to get back to this point of being irritated. So anyway, so Wednesday, um, I started the job. Wednesday night, I called a staff meeting. They had to, they had to meet me. They just had to meet me. But it wasn't a, it was not a formal staff meeting. It was optional. All right. I called another one on Thursday. And then I called another one on Friday. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm thinking of processing this. So Thursday's meeting... I found, I, I noticed I was, I noticed an emotion on me. Uh-uh, that's not true. I didn't notice that emotion on me until Friday when I woke up. So there was an emotion on me Friday after, after Friday's meeting. Excuse me, there was an emotion on me after Thursday's meeting that I could not identify until I woke up on Friday. Interestingly, I went out to dinner with a friend of mine on Thursday night, and I remember, I just vaguely remember noticing that I had a mood, a mood was on me, but I didn't linger there. I didn't, like, that's hindsight. Hindsight, I could say, oh, I think I recognized the mood that was on me Thursday, but I didn't have real consciousness about it until Friday. All right. And then after the, in the midst of that meeting on Friday, the thing that was tapping at me on Thursday became present again. All right. So by the time somebody said something, <laughs> somebody said something that was annoying to me. But normally, when some, I'm really good at um, masking that. Number one, I'm good at masking it because I don't always, I'm not always aware of my emotions. But that's not true either, right? Because sometimes, this is why I think that it's dangerous for INTJs to to be so proudly disconnected from their introverted feeling, from that that tertiary function. Because whether you are conscious of it or not, it is very present. And if you don't want to be controlled by a thing, and as an INTJ 8, I don't know if this is because I'm an 8, I don't know if all INTJs feel this way, but I definitely know eights feel like this. We don't want to be controlled by a thing. And I don't want to be controlled by my own emotions. Well, this is so interesting. So because I don't want to be controlled even by my own emotions, then I'm going to confront that thing. 
All right, you guys, I'm going to have to go put you guys on pause because there's something about the eight that I'm tapping into that I don't think is related to INTJ-ness. I think it's more about my eightness. Hold on, you guys. I'm saying hold on, but you won't know that you're on hold. But just I'm going to say hold on all the same. Okay, you guys, I'm back, and I have some bad news. I've been paused for at least five minutes, and because of that, I forgot why I put you guys on pause. <laughs> I forgot because I've been reading. I probably been, it's probably been paused more than five minutes, and I just have been my I just have gone down this path in my head, and th- like just reading and then becoming curious about what I was reading, and then I, I'm like, what was I looking for? So. um I'm going to jump, I'm still on course and talking about this irritation, but there was a point that made me pause. Now, when I go back and I listen to this, here's what I'll do. When I go, because I can't rewind right now. When I go back and listen to this later, I'll put something on the website to to tell you what I was looking for, because I can't tell you now. But I am going to share some things from this book I'm reading that I've been reading for the past five or so minutes. Um, But I can't tell you if this is going to relate to Whatever it was, I hit the pause button for because I can't remember. I'm sorry, y'all. But I'll put it on the website, okay? So what caught my attention, though, as I hit the pause button? Um, so I'm looking at a book from Beatrice Chestnut, Dr. Beatrice Chestnut, The Complete Enneagram. It's a really, really good text. Although it's a good text as an overview. But once you're ready to start doing a deep dive into your type, it's not enough. <laughs> I mean, it's it's... An, it's enough to get started, but now I'm like, I want her to go back and write another book for just the type eights and the subtypes. Like, just do me a favor, okay? I need more. But anyway, that's me being selfish. But so, um, in this type eight section, because she talks about all nine types, but in this section, for the, uh, for each type, she gives key traits. So key traits for an eight would be anger and the willingness to confront rebelliousness, punitiveness and revenge, dominance, insensitivity, autonomy, and sensory motor dominance. And that's all interesting when you look at that through the lens of being an INTJ. And I've talked about that in the past, so I don't really want to unpack how those traits interrelate with my INTJ-ness. Okay, I've done that in the past doesn't mean I shouldn't come back and do more of it, but I don't want to do it right now. So the two the two traits that I think are manifesting, that are showing up as in this place of irritation, is the anger and willingness to confront trait, the dominance trait, or maybe the autonomy yeah, the autonomy trait. You know what? It might be rebelliousness too. It might be all of these dang traits. <laughs> so let me tell you what happened. Okay, so I have pulled my staff and um, my temper my temporary staff, right? But I'm just gonna say this, this the, the team. I pulled the team together. And I'm trying to, this is an informal meeting. Everybody's not there, but I want, I'm like, well, I'm going to, I have to, we have a day of, of training on Monday. I just walked into this role on Wednesday. I want to know, 
can be any, but I have to come up with a training, something to do for professional development. I don't know these people. So I'm giving them an opportunity to um, weigh in because I wouldn't be able to do it without them. So what I asked them is, what would you like to spend time on Wednesday, excuse me, Monday morning for training? Somebody, this is when, this is Friday now. I'm sorry, did I say Wednesday? This is Friday because I've been meeting with them Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Thursday, I started picking up on something, but I didn't have a consciousness. Friday, I did. And then Thursday, so for Friday after work, I said, I met with them. I said, hey, what, do, what would you like to, to do for training for, for um, Monday? So someone said they wanted to learn about the email that the CEO had sent out on Wednesday. The CEO sent out an email that was quite controversial. A lot of people didn't like it. And I'm going to be honest with you, I saw it. And I remember not having an emotional reaction to it. I remember being aware that I wasn't reacting, that I had no emotional reaction to it because I was skimming it for, I looked at that email for what I needed to go and do the job I had to do, right? So I went, I skimmed that email looking for data, looking for key points that could be relevant for me doing my job. I did not examine how that email was going to land. I didn't, and normally I would be curious about, oh, I wonder how that would impact the different stakeholders. I wonder what does that mean? I purely looked at that email as a data point for myself as it relates to learning what I needed to do because this, this job was pretty sudden for me. So, and I still haven't gone back to look at it. I mean, I've heard a lot of, I mean, I've, I've, I, I did skim it. I mean, I've read it. But I read it quickly, and I read it selfishly, 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 yeah, selfishly, purely on how does this impact me to do the job I have to do, that I have not had any, no time to transition, no time to learn, there was no, you know, there's no, nothing. <clears throat> so one of my team members said, uh, can we talk about, can we learn more about the email? Can we talk, can we learn more about what the CEO wants in the email? And before I knew it, I said, that email doesn't have anything to do with what we're doing. I said, that email, what did I, I don't even know what all I said. I said, that email is about the CEO. That's his time. We're, I'm not using my time for that. And it was like, bam. And it was, it was, it was kind of snarky. It was kind of snarky. It wasn't, I don't think it was snarky in the traditional sense, but it was more snarky for me because I don't talk, I don't usually do that. Like if somebody bothers me, like I usually, I pay attention to big impact, right? If you say something that's annoying, I typically, typically will ignore it or I will respond in a, way that is I'll respond intellectually. So for example, on Monday, we had a situation and it was a situation out of all my 28 years of experience, I never had this experience and it's pretty big. It's a big deal. And I was confronted with this. It was a problem 
on Monday. Excuse me, I'm keeping saying Monday. Wednesday was my Monday because it was my start. So on Wednesday, about halfway through the day, there was a problem that surfaced. It is a big deal. Other people have dealt with this problem, but I've never had to deal with it on my own as, as being the person that's responsible. So somebody has started taking action, looking into it, doing them some investigating, and I kept checking in with them. How's it going? How's it going? Wanted to know when they ask, investigate, when you, after you've done investigating that thing, I'm going to weigh in, right? So once that investigation was done, the person who did the investigation had an opinion about what it was, had an opinion about it. Now, this is all pretty fast, right? Because there's a lot happening on day one for me, a lot happening. And every thing that could have gone wrong it was the, the the site was in it was chaos the the site was in chaos because of some other things that happened prior to me being there i can i now have to deal with the chaos right so in the midst of me dealing with all of the chaos this problem surfaces that i've never dealt with before so when someone takes lead on it which i was super glad that they took lead on investigating okay but i kept checking in so once the investigation was done i checked in with the person. The person was like, downplayed it. They downplayed it. And I said, mm, mm. I didn't even say it. I didn't say don't downplay it. I didn't say anything. I, I had to respect the person. Like, I, I allowed them to continue to do, take lead. So I wasn't going to downplay their assessment of the situation. However, in terms of taking action, this is what I said. This is what I want done. I said, this is what I want done. The person countered and said, well, I don't think it's that serious. That's the count. The person countered me now. And I said, that's fine. I said, I appreciate that. But this is what I want to happen. The person then says, turns it over for me, the action that I wanted him to take, he turns it over for me to do it. <laughs> so I was like, well, like maybe I wasn't clear. I was just like, well, I know, you know, this is what I want you to do. So I, I, he passed the ball to me. I put, I passed the ball back to him. And then he said, <laughs> and then he said, well, I would think that they would, cause I told him to make a phone call. Like, so I wasn't passing everything off to him, but there were some people that needed to come in and I had to have a meeting with them. So I wanted him to make the call to bring them into the building. So I said, so I said, make the call. I'll do the, I'll do the meeting. Right, because does it? But I want you to bring them in. So he was like, "Well, I would think you would." He said, "I would think you would want to do that." <laughs> that's that's funny. That is funny to me, y'all. That is funny. He said he didn't say I would. He didn't say I would think that they would want to hear from you because I would have gotten that. I would have understood if he would have said what I would. I think they would want to hear from you. But what he said. I would think you would want to do it. So he's speaking from my my desires, my motivations, right? This is fascinating. This is so fascinating to me. It's funny. It to me it's comical. So I don't get I don't get bent up out of shape about that. That doesn't irritate me. It's comical. But it, it doesn't irritate, and maybe it doesn't irritate me because I've been down this road before in a leadership position. And as a matter of fact, that has happened four times. I think it's going to stop happening. I think I've communicated. 
I think they're starting to get it and they're starting to pass the word along. So I asked someone to uh, do something else and they said, oh, you can do that. I said, oh, thank you. But can you do it? (laughs) That was the second time. Third time, somebody came in my office. Was it Thursday morning or Friday? I think it was, there was, was it Thursday morning? It feels like, I was only there three days. And it feels like forever, right? And I'm laughing because this is funny to me. This is comical. So somebody else came into my office, and it's the start of the day. They don't know me. I'm a morning person, but my morning time is sacred for me, right? But they don't know me, and I am the the lead, and I want to be available, right? I haven't figured out the boundaries, right? I, I don't know what boundaries to have yet. So I can have a desire. I can have a preference, but I don't yet know But I also have a bigger desire. My bigger desire is to have impact, right? My bigger desire is to get this particular site to be high producing, right? So I have to check myself. Like, is this about my preference for not wanting to be bothered in the morning? You know, so if somebody comes up to me and says they need to talk to me, I'm here for it. Until they learn what, until they learn me, and until I learn them. Okay. So... Somebody comes into my office, you have a minute, and to me, if you come into my office, it must be serious, right? If you come to the office and you had a piece of, he had a piece of paper, it was another person. And then I'm like, okay, so he's telling me a story, and I'm waiting to hear the urgency. Like the other situation where I was interacting with the guy, that was a, that was a serious situation. But, so I'm waiting to hear the urgency, the situation, and I don't hear it. But, I'm, but, I'm, but at the same time, I'm like, he's here. He's here talking. <laughs> He's here talking to me. He's here talking to me during my sacred time. So this must be important. But he doesn't know this is my sacred time, right? He wouldn't know that. So this is the problem with an INTJ. That FE is a blind spot, right? That could have purely been his way of bonding with me. More now that I think about it, that was purely his way of connecting. But me, I don't have F-E. I have T-E. And my number one thing was, what's wrong? What's the problem? What do we need to solve? Like, you're in my sacred space. There must be a problem that we have to solve. You're not in my sacred space to bond. We don't bond in my sacred space, my sacred alone space. There must be another reason why you're here. Okay. That's funny. This is funny to me. So he, um, see, I told you the whole reflection is about this. So, uh... So I get to, I finally get to the point where I realize there's nothing urgent. There's nothing like urgent or there's no crisis. I don't think I get to the place where I realize he's just trying to bond with me. And I don't even believe that that's actually what it was. I think there was something else. But I want to be, cons- I want to be considerate that if this person had FE in his stack, one of the things that could have been happening is that he was trying to bond with me. I don't think that that's ultimately what it was though. Here's what I think it was. So here's what he gets to. He gets to the end and he says, um, I'm thinking that you could talk to him. There's a, there's a person, that a stakeholder, that he was contending with that he wasn't having results. So there's a stakeholder that he's working with. The stakeholder is not responding to him the way he thinks that stakeholder should respond to it. That's a separate conversation for another day because we're going to come back and talk about this. 
these, this is, we're definitely coming back to talk about that because that's about power. They don't know that yet. All right. So there's a stakeholder he's dealing with. The stakeholders are responding to him the way he thinks that the stakeholder should respond to him. And so he comes to me and he says, um, I'm thinking you want to talk to the stakeholder today. So there are a couple of things embedded in his, his, his thinking, if you will. Not only is he in my sacred time, not only is this not urgent, what he's doing is he's giving me an assignment. It's in a soft way. See, that's that F-E, y'all. That's a, that, I don't know if it is F-E. I don't know. But that feels very F-E to me. But y'all have to tell me. That feels F-E to me. So he's giving me an assignment to do with the stakeholder. But not, but never checking in with me to see if, if the stakeholder is responding in a way that I think is problematic. The stakeholder is responding in a way that he thinks is problematic, but it's not the way I don't think it's problematic. So he made an assumption that I would see that stakeholder the way he would see it. So there's an assumption there. And then he gives me that assignment as to you want to, you may want to, I'm thinking you want to talk to him today. I think you want to talk to this person. So then you give me an assignment that you should not be giving me the assignment. And not only is this an issue, this I don't mean to sound like this is an issue of power, right? You, Who are you to give me an assignment? It's not really about that. It's about me being in a particular position with, with demands that no one else can do, but the position, there are things that only I can do. And now I'm confronting it without having a lot of time to, con- to, learn, the, to learn the needs of the organization, right? So it, it felt a little insensitive to like, well, you don't even know what's, what, is, what I have going on. You don't know what I have going on. And now you're taking something that I think is incredibly minor, but it seems to be big to you. And then you're giving it to me as an assignment. So you're transferring it from your plate to my plate. And I didn't get irritated. I mean, I didn't. It it, it was slightly annoying, but it wasn't. It wasn't like the irritant. It was not like the irritation that I experienced Friday after work. I want to close there. It was annoying, but not irritating. So I said, I. So with the other person, I said. So another going back to the problem on Wednesday, when the person said, "Well, I would think you would want to do that," I said. Oh, you think, huh? I said, I said, oh, you think I would, huh? I just repeated it back. I said, oh, you think I would, huh? Because it's the irony of it. It's the irony of somebody telling me, you, you're telling me what I think. You're telling me what you think I should be thinking. That is odd. And you know, they talk about mansplaining, right? But you cannot get more mansplaining than this. You're not just going to explain to me a situation. You're going to explain to me my own thinking, what I should be thinking about. That's fascinating. That's And that's comical to me. So, so this is very similar to this other guy on Friday. I think it was Friday or I think it was Friday, Friday morning. And he said, I would think, think you would want to talk to the person. So instead of me highlighting back to him and saying, oh, you think, I didn't say that, 
That wasn't the strategy I used for this particular person. I didn't say, oh, you think, huh? What I said was, can I tell you what I'm most interested in? I'm interested in the fact that no one else in this building can take can meet the needs of that stakeholder. So that means you're here talking to me because there's no one else in this building that can meet the needs of that stakeholder. So that's what I'm fascinated by. And as a person that loves to solve solve problems, I'm going to put my mind on why no one else can help this stakeholder. Right? Now, more than likely, and you could just see the guy's eyes like darting back and forth like um, he's processing it. He's he's probably processing a number of things to his you know, to giving giving him the benefit of the doubt, he's probably probably trying to hear, probably really trying to take in what I'm saying. He's probably trying to question himself like, well, what am I asking her to do? Because that's really what it is. Is it that, is it that no one else in this building can do it? Or is it because you think I'm supposed to do it? Isn't that interesting? It's not that he didn't think... That no one else in the building could do it. There's something about me that he thinks I'm supposed to do it. Now, I have a theory of why, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Because just for the record, just uh, people have started, they've been poking around and finding me online. So I don't have, that's the privacy part. I don't have privacy anymore. Number six. So this job has invaded my privacy. So we have to talk about that at another time. It comes with the it comes with the territory, but it wasn't about no one else in the building not being able to do it. More than likely, it was about something about me that he thought I should do it. But that's okay. So I saw him processing that question. I mean, this is he. I'm assuming he was processing that. So I said, well, "I'm just curious. No one else can do it." Now, what I was doing was giving him the opportunity to explain. Why he thought only I could do it. Because what if there is a, what if there's a reason that only I can do it? And I'm going to treat that as a position of a, about power. If you're saying that this prop, this, this stakeholder will only respond to power, then I'm saying from a place of, as a practitioner and learning theory and what does it mean to be human, that we have some training to do. Because this person can respond to multiple people. We just got to make sure that people know how to uh, meet the needs of the stakeholder. And if no one else knows how to meet the needs of the stakeholder, then that's what I'm going to write down as something that I need to do while I'm here in this temporary assignment. So that's the assignment. That's not the assignment he wanted me to take away with. But he thought he was going to give me an assignment, and I countered him. I countered that assignment with the assignment I wanted to see. So I, so that's fine. So that's what I'm saying. Like, on the spot, I was comfortable. Two people telling me what they, you know, actually, I gave you three examples. Those didn't irritate me. It was annoying, comical, but not irritated, not out of control irritation where I lost control of myself because I like to be and like, that's probably what I was, was going to look for. I think that's what I went to look for. 
Okay, you guys, I I remember why I hit the pause in the first place. I'm rewinding. So this this thing that happened Friday night where I was irritated and it was visible, that's not something I'm used to doing. That's why this is standing out to me. I'm going to read a, par- a, a half of a paragraph for you under key traits of an eight. And I'm under this section that's called anger and the willingness to confront. So in the first paragraph in this section, it talks about how in the anger triad, in the Enneagram, there are three types of emotions, anger. Uh, I always forget that heart emotion. I don't know what it is. It's, is it the need to be liked? Is it need to belong? I don't know what it is, but I know it's anger, fear, and I cannot think of the what is the emotion under two, three, and four. I know it's the heart triad. I always forget. But anyway, I don't want to lose focus. Well, what they're saying in the anger triad, the eights are the only eights are the only type of people. Eight is. Let me say it differently. Let me try to be grammatical. Eight is the only type that is comfortable with their anger. The other two anger types are not comfortable with it. Nine and one. But eights are comfortable with it. So because we are comfortable with it, we're comfortable with confronting. We're comfortable with moving in it. We're comfortable with expressing it and and, and moving towards it. Okay, that's what the first paragraph is about. But the second paragraph, when we don't move towards it, this is what's interesting. Here, let me read it to you. Paradoxically, because AIDS can do anger and conflict, this willingness often means that they don't have to. Eights are body types with a strong connection to their physical power center. They convey an ang- they convey an aura of solidity. Ah, sorry. They convey an aura of solidity and strength, which can often mean they don't have to get angry. That's powerful. Because I can means I don't have to. That is so good. That is so good. They can hold their ground, get their way, or make themselves understood without having to express aggression. Damn it. You guys, I'm having a breakthrough. And I'm going to want to go over an hour. I'm finally having a breakthrough, you guys. I'm going to have to do a part two. Damn it. Excuse me, because I don't want to, I don't, I, I'm going to have to go over an hour. Oh my gosh, I'm just hitting the break. Okay, this is the INTJ. I'm, I'm seeing an INTJ connection. I would bet any money that how eights lean into that aggression or hold their ground and they don't have to express it would very much relate to their cognitive orientation, would relate to how they use those cognitive functions, Right? That's so good. You guys don't even know how good this is for me right now. They can convey an aura of solidity and strength, which can often mean they don't have to get angry. (laughs) They can hold their ground, get their way, and make themselves understood without having to express aggression. 
So when I see eights who are open about their aggression and all of that, that's why I'm like, I don't think I do that. So you guys have heard me say I'm an INTJ eight. I am not an eight INTJ. And when I put that eight in front of the INTJ, that's where the emotional part to me is when the emotion comes before the thinking. Right. So when my dad died and I was dealing with all that trauma and all the family and the complications of all of that, I said I was walking around for about a week or two as an eight INTJ. I was not in my healthy self because my healthy self puts the eight behind the INTJ. I am thinking first, emotion second. Oh, my gosh. So getting back so I can bring closure here. I'm going to go over an hour. I'm, I'm breaking my rule already. <laughs> Season four, I'm already breaking the rule. But I'm super excited right now. <laughs> so here's the deal. So in those other three situations that poked me as an eight, I didn't have to express aggression. Now, they may have felt it. They may have felt uh, dominance, right? But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't show an emotion. I didn't show an emotion. It was it was intellectual. They said, "I would think you want to do something that that's that's uh, uh, an eight type eight annoyance because it's about dominance and power." But instead of expressing exasperation or frustration, I was like, "Oh, you think, huh? I'm going to need you to do this anyway. Thank you very much for doing that thing I asked you to do." Very calmly. Um, oh, you. Do you think I want to take on this assignment? Well, here's a different assignment, a better, a better assignment or a bigger assignment is this. This is what I'm interested in, right? And it, it's not, it wasn't that I was faking it. It was genuine. I genuinely was not overwhelmed. I genuinely was just like, like, not irritated. I was, this is what I think. But if I'm honest, I've learned that. Because this is not my first time. Like somebody said, this is not your first time at the rodeo. It's not. It's not my first time at the rodeo. Um, so I, I've already I've already experienced what it's like for people to, uh, particularly as a woman. And I think if, in the, if there's any women, if you're a woman and you're listening to me and you're in leadership, you already know what it is. You already know what it is, right? You could just be a woman in, in general. You don't even have to be in leadership. Like the world, the world seems to think that they should tell you what to do. You don't have your own brain. The world exists to tell you what to do. And I don't even think this is about being a type eight. If you guys are, if you're listening to me and you get what I'm saying, let's give me some feedback on that. But anyway. It just didn't bother me. But there was something said in this meeting after work on Friday where I did not approach it intellectually. I approached it through my emotions. So when they said, <laughs> and it's so benign, it was such a small thing that she said, right? It was such a small thing that she said. I, I had to really spend time thinking, why did I respond that way? It could have been a number of things. It was Friday. It was the end of the week after like the whirlwind. The email went out from my CEO that it really should not have gone out. And the same day that I started, it just was a lot. And I talked to him about it yet uh, yesterday. Um, I, I had an opportunity to talk to him by phone, and so I, I, I and I already suspected. I already 
kind of took a guess why he sent the email out. Uh, and he confirmed it, right? It's just so, so much is happening, right? And so I just think that was just in that moment, I decided to lean into it. I decided to go into the uh, first paragraph where I decided to lean into that emotion as opposed to a more stoic approach approach with them. I, let me say it this way. I decided to lean into my eight as opposed to being reserved with it. That's what I did. So when she said, well, I, uh, she said, I want to use, I want to talk about that email. I react, I took exception to it. Because that email is minor compared to what's happening, the real issue of what we're dealing with, the real issue of why I am on site to, to do some cleaning, house cleaning. You hear me talk about housekeeping, right? I'm on site to do some housekeeping. That email has very little to do with the real problem is. Number one. Number two. I am, I am now, but I was coming to finally accept, I was coming to terms with something in that moment that, of why they don't know what the real work is. There's a, there's, there is real work that has to be done. And the work that has to be done is not just about the leader that was before me. So everybody's trying to make it be about the leader that was before me. I don't think it is. I think it's about some something else. And I think people are uh, not reluctant. Uh, what's the opposite of reluctant? Oh, it's a word. I can't think of it. They are. Oh, it's a word. I can't think of it. Convenient, that's it, that's it. They are conveniently overlooking the real work. Because it's the it's their relationship to the real work. It's their relationship to the real work that I was I'm starting to understand. And that point, that relation, it's not the real work that's the problem. It's their relationship to the real work. And that's probably manifested in all three of those other situations that I gave you where people are trying to project onto me what the work is so that I don't get to the real work because they don't want to get to the real work. Oh my God, this is so good. This is what it is. I, I just had to break through. Now, I don't know for sure, but this is the theory of the case. You guys hear me talking about making a theory. This is my N.I. this Now, if somebody from that world heard this pot reflection, which they might hear it, they might come back and say, that's not true. But then then you need to bring it because I'm ready. To, we're going to dance that out because I can make a case for it. 
And sometimes, like a friend of mine told me, sometimes people don't know. They don't really know. They don't really know. They don't know. And they don't know that they need you to know the way you know. <laughs> so one of my friends who was a principal, she said, they don't know that they need what you have to offer. They don't know it yet because they they've never seen it. So she said, so hold tight. And I know that, but it was just good to be reminded. They don't know that they need what I can bring to the table. They don't know what they, they don't know that they need what I can offer, my gifts, my superpower. They don't know it. So because they don't know it, they're not going to make room for it. We got to, you know, I've got to give them the benefit of the doubt. They're not going to make room for my superpower. The thing that I can bring to the table that they need. They don't know it. They don't know they need it. They don't even know what it is. Because this is part of what I wanted to talk about for number, number, um, number, what is it? Number one, where I said, number one is the secret sauce, the powerhouse. People don't understand introverted intuition. They don't understand that we see we see things the way other people cannot see it. It's not that we're making it up. We see a dimension of a thing that other people cannot see. That's our gift. And because you don't see it, you don't know the dimensions. There are dimensions in the social world and the physical world. That we all experience that not many people can see it. Therefore, they can't name it. And they definitely can't manage it. So I can see it. I can name it. I can manage it. That's my superpower. So to be fair to the, my, the, to the, to my team who have the people who have an interesting relationship to the very thing that needs to be changed to the problem. They don't know another way until somebody shares it with them. So I get that. But I think that there's, I think consciously they don't know. But I suspect, this is something that I'm thinking about you guys too. Um, it's number four. The mm -mm. Well, it's kind of related to number four, the body. This this thing that we have that we're inside of called the body, it is an instrument. It is an instrument, y'all. I'm really starting to come better understand it. And I don't have time to unpack that right now. But it being an instrument, part of that instrument is an, a knowing not a knowing, A-N-N-O-Y-I-N-G, but a knowing, A-K-N-O-W-I-N-G, knowledge base. It is a knowledge base beyond your years on this earth. In the Christian text, the Bible, I don't know about other religious texts, I don't know, but they say we come from the earth. That we are from the earth. So 
I remember reading somewhere in science it says that there are properties or elements in our bodies that are that are looked that are that also are in the ground the earth the dirt the, the earth we're of the earth we're all the same but check this out I believe we also share a social psychology until we go and do some work Right. So even if you're not conscious of it, which I think, especially when you're not consciously aware of it, it's there. And it governs the body. And I think I was saying something earlier about why INTJs need to learn that that in that tertiary function, because it's governing you all the same. Whether you are conscious of it, whether you embrace it, it is there governing you. You don't think it is. If you think you're being governed by your intellect and your cognition, you are woefully, woefully misinformed. There is a significant, that cognition, the intellect, the mind is a powerful instrument. But there is something instinctual about us located in the body that that extends Beyond your brain. The brain is just an, it's one element, it's an added layer of knowledge, an added layer of utility. But the body is not just something that we control. There's some elements in the body that controls us, that, excuse me, that control us. I'm hearing my, I'm hearing my mistakes all throughout this reflection. I'm hearing my ungrammatical nature all throughout this reflection. So, when these people are giving me the assignment, they don't consciously know that there is something deeply located in their social psychology that's trying to put distance between themselves and the core problem. And it's a distraction. It's a distraction. It's a waste of time. And I I want to come back and talk about that FE because I do feel like FE is really good at that, right? FE is going to get what it wants in a way that you don't even know it's doing it. It's, FE is a Jedi. FE, y'all. You FE users. It is a pop. That is, that's your true powerhouse. It's a secret sauce, too. Man, for NIFE users, if you have both NI and FE, holy smokes, excuse me, good grief. Um, hold on. I'm going to read this paragraph. I'm under, I'm back in the Enneagram book with Dr. Beatrice Chestnut, and I'm still in the eighth section under the traits. So it is one, two, three, four. I'm in the, under the fifth trait called autonomy. You're gonna let me just read it and I'm and, and I'm gonna explain why I'm reading it. Eights value their independence and autonomy. Even more prominently, they idealize their autonomy, not wanting to be seen as weak or to find themselves in a vulnerable position. Eights disavow their dependency on others. This Renunciation can lead to an independent presentation as well as an avoidance of emotion 
and experiences that could make them feel their need for other people. When that young lady, when I asked them what, what did they want to do for training for Monday as relating to the core problem, and she talks about an email from the CEO, on top of having had all of these other people telling me what what they think that I would want my job to be, I think that not only was that about not only was that about dominance. Like I don't need you to decide for me what my job is, right? That's that's how I was initially thinking about it. That that was an issue of me asserting, like, in all four, four of those situations, the three where I maintained my composure and the one in which I didn't was all in my mind initially about. You don't give me the assignment. Now, to the lady's credit on Friday, she could easily say, well, you invited me to. So I want to come. So you know what I mean? I get that. I hear it. I said, what do you guys want to learn? What do you want to work on? What do you, what do you want to learn? But what she, what she offered was not about development. She wasn't what she what she asked for with the email was not about developing her practice at all. Okay, so that's that's not what I invited her to do. But okay, but let's just say I did. Let's say she that's fine. That's fine. What it was also about was my autonomy. That's what it was about. Her bringing up that email from the CEO was bringing that person, that power holder, into my space. I'm an eight, (laughs) y'all. And um, while I do respect his leadership in in a way that I don't usually do, I'm really, really surprised how much much, uh, space I'm making for his leadership. Because I usually rebel against leadership. I do. Uh, mm, I mean, that's not true. I partner with leadership. And when, when leaders don't allow me to partner, there it is. There it is. I'm learning so much about myself right now. When leaders don't allow me to partner with them, then I will rebel. But if you are allowing me to partner with your leadership, we're good. So far, I'm able to partner with him and his, his, his leadership. So I don't have to rebel against it. Right? But I don't want him, his knees hijacking my agenda. His his knees will not hijack my agenda. And where he has told me twice now, I don't know what he tells other people, but he has told me twice that he's going to respect my autonomy that I want. And so far he's done it. I got it. Whether he does, so far he's respected it. Right? Some people say he blows, he's a politician. He's going to say things just that you say things that you want to hear. That's true. I can see that. But so far he's been good on his word other than that email, which he, he acknowledged. He acknowledged that the impact of that email on my new assignment. 
But with that young lady bringing that into my space, that was what, that's where, that's where I leaned in. And it wasn't about irritate. It was, that's what it was about. It was about me establishing. It was, it was about me establishing my, my authority in that space. I didn't know why I did it. I don't, I, I don't know why. And I responded to her very quick. And it wasn't even really mean. It wasn't mean. But I said, this is my time. You go ask him about something he wrote on his time. Not on my time. And her eyes got big. She leaned back. And she looked at other people in the room. And you could just feel the air in the room go... And everybody was like, oh, like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, this is what we're dealing with. <laughs> and I felt so bad afterwards because it was like, I didn't want to. I didn't. That's not what that's not what I wanted to convey on day three. So then it had, and I'm going to close here. So then it had me thinking about being a type one because type ones, when they show that anger, they feel bad about it. And I was like, what is that? Do I feel really bad? Well, if I do feel bad about it, what what am I feeling bad about? And I think honestly, I needed to first understand what what it was. I didn't. I think it was a new emotion for me. I don't think I've ever experienced that emotion. So I had to process it. So instinctively, instinctively, I responded in a very eightish way. But because it was new and because of my training as a leader, my views on leadership, that's just not something I would want to have shown from day one. I mean, from day three. And it wasn't big. It was a comment. But that's the social me. That's the social eight me. Right? It's the friendly. That's Because each number has a subtype. Social, sexual, self-preservation. I want them to get to know me through the social eight. But I think, I think that was self-preservation and sexual. That was me taking control of my space. Very quick. It was a very quick response. It was very short. All I said was, this is my time. You can get to know him in that email on his time. And and some, some of you listening to me might say, that's not a big deal. It really isn't. But I think because that's not how they were, they, they've been seeing me in a very nurturing way. I've been in an 8-2, the higher 8. They've been seeing me as the 8-2 with, with, with the others, with some stakeholders. They don't know, they don't yet know me. So now they do, <laughs> but I needed to know myself. And I think I was very, that irritation was about, I don't even know if I would call it irritation. Although in her book, she does say something about irritation. Irritation. So I think of irritation for type one, but she taught, Dr. Chestnut does talk about irritation for the eight, but it's fast. It's fast and you get over it, which is true. 
Okay, you guys, I put you on pause again for another five or so minutes because I was trying to find the word irritant. I know it was there because I think of irritation, like I said, as a type one phenomenon, but I think it also, you know, it's coming up. Um, So under the trait of eight in this book for Dr. Chestnut, punitiveness and revenge, and it says... um, The eight can focus on revenge, but he, but not in so much as, um, in a vindictive or an overt way. Um, the eight individual more commonly retaliates angrily at the moment and gets quickly over his irritation and may experience a desire to get even as an immediate reaction. I don't, I don't feel that way. I think that's a very, I don't, I don't feel the need to. I have felt the need to get even, but not in this particular situation. Um, and I also can delay that feeling for the long time. Long, I can get even, uh, and it can be a long in the few, like it can be long range. I have the patience to do that. Um, like when this a few months ago, when I was asking a teacher to do X, giving her some suggestions, some strategies, and she said to me, "Have you ever taught before?" In this very condescending way. Yeah, yeah, I had to, I had to bring it back, right? Because I, I had a few choice words I wanted to share with her, say to her in re- in response, but that's okay, because within a week or two, when she came back and was like, "Whoa." Now that wasn't given getting even per se, because she didn't. And I think the reason why I don't think in terms of getting even, because that would mean I would, I would, that would be like me acknowledging vulnerability and, and, or that I was hurt. And I just don't, I don't think like that. You know what I mean? Like the only people who can hurt me are my family members, very and people I love. I don't experience pain from other people, at least not consciously. Now, not that I'm aware of, not, and I shouldn't say, I just don't as a pattern. I experience vulnerability and pain when it comes to intimacy. And you guys, you you should know why. I mean, go back and listen to some other ridiculous episodes where I'm telling all my business, but, um, I don't experience that. So anywho, um, when this particular lady tried to like, all she did was made a little suggestion. All she did was made a small suggestion about spending my my time that I have for for training for dealing with this email that has something to do with someone else. But I think I think that my reaction was about establishing dominance, not over people, but over space. And I always say that as an INTJ eight, I don't dominate. As an eight, I don't, I'm not interested in dominating people. That's too much energy for me. I could care less about dominating people. But systems, I will dominate and spaces if they're mine. And like I said, I call it owning. It's my space. I don't, I won't go into your space and own your work. Do not come into my space and own my work. All right. I don't do that. I'm very intolerant of that. That's where you see me the least tolerant. So anyway, I don't know how the end of this reflection has, but it's been really, really good for me because I feel like I've learned a few things about myself, um, about being an eight. Whoa, it's just been fascinating to, to look at that 
um, the, 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 um, that piece about holding your ground, like you don't always have it, how you, we don't always have to express our anger. And I think that's an INTJ8. I really, really do. I don't have to express it. So if I've ever been confused about it, I think to, today it's been cleared up. I think I, I think I'm finally ready to, to name the INTJ8. I think the INTJ8 can be, um, we know how to hold our ground, get our way, get, be understood without having to express anger. I like that sentence right there. I think that is where we are our healthiest. I think that is it. Um, and the other piece is autonomy, valuing our independence and our autonomy. I, not just valuing it, but I idolizing it. Yes. And not wanting to be dependent on others. That is that. So, um, I'm not going to call this the INTJ because I don't feel like I, I flushed that out, but I don't know what I'm going to call it. But anyway, you guys, if this reflection is at any value for you, please give it a heart. If this conversation about, it's really, it is, it, I mean, honestly, whether you're an INTJ or an eight, I think a lot of women in leadership would be able to appreciate this reflection. You know, I don't really get into man talking about mansplaining when somebody, when a man comes and tells you something you already know, but then explains it to you like you don't know it and never once check and checks in to see if you know something. But man, that takes mansplaining to another level when you're going to explain to me my own thinking and my own desires. That takes mansplaining to the Next level, y'all. Next level. But also in this reflection is this idea of this, of the body as an, in, as a source of knowledge beyond your own consciousness. Go back to the uh, reflection that I did on, I think the SJ reality. I think I talk about, I talk a little bit about that because I've been back reading a book on consciousness. There's so much about who we are that's beyond our consciousness. And it's a lot of it is located in the body. It's fascinating. So, um, I think, yeah. So if you had some conversations about that in the world, I'm trying to think what else did I talk about? The leaders, the mansplaining, um, the body and just our, our unconscious relationship to problems and how we try to distance ourselves from that. And then we try to control the space. So someone else can't get to the core problem, even though we're not conscious of it. It's located. It's located there. This is on officially on record. My longest reflection, um, but we'll see. We'll see if it only gets two plays. <laughs> we'll see. But I haven't been talking to you guys a lot, so hopefully you you're here for it. Okay. But if any of that relates to a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link and share with those participants. And if my moving about in this very long reflection has inspired some randomness in you, I'd love to hear that. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. 
Twitter, you're NIDOM1, and YouTube, you're NIDOM. Let me give you your assignment. What irritates you? <laughs> what is something that irritates you? And I, I want to push that a little bit, not just irritate you in a place where you're like, I'm irritated and you're unapologetically irritated, right? You're unapologetic. But that place, that thing that irritates you that you don't want to be irritated in or you don't want to convey that out. Or let me ask a different question. What's your relationship to irritation? How about that? How about that? <laughs> what irritates you? And what's your relationship to irritation? Is there Are there some things you don't mind conveying that irritation and is there are there other times that you're like nope I don't I don't really want people to know I'm irritated so what is your relationship with it that is your homework assignment you guys it has been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back be well bye